Good morning. I'm bringing you the Bible reading this morning. It's from Matthew 6, verses 5 to 13. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go to your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Here ends the reading. Good morning, everybody. What an amazing morning it has been. I feel very encouraged. I feel encouraged by just Lewis's speaking of what God has done in his life, in the prayer, in the worship, even in being led into a, a new way of actually reading out the scriptures by the children. It's just been a really encouraging morning. My name is Steve. I'm one of the pastors here. And I know a number of you are new to the life of our church over the last week or two. And I look forward, if I haven't already got to meet you, to meeting you either after this service or, as Kathy mentioned, uh, next Sunday afternoon down in the basement. We'd love for you to just join us and get to know some of the pastoral team and hear more about the life of this church. Last week, Kathy introduced this series that lays out our theme for 2019. Ask, seek and knock. And if you weren't here, I would encourage you to listen to it online because it, it sets the scene. And also, Kathy issued an invitation for us to join together in asking and seeking and knocking, to join together in prayer. And the question was, are you in? So thank you to those who have emailed us just simply saying, I'm in, with a thumbs up or whatever it was. It's been very encouraging. Next week, we issue an invitation again. We, we're not expecting you to go, yep, I'm in, without thinking about it. So this is something we do ask you to consider. Are you in this year to actually join us in asking, seeking and knocking, praying together for God's transforming work in our lives, in the lives of others and in situations? Next week we'll actually do uh, something tangible, physical together as a congregation to actually symbolise, yes, we are in. But again, we don't want that to be a peer pressure thing. We actually want it something for you to consider and to think about and jump into. There is a study guide. We gave out 230 of these last week, so we had to reprint another 100 for today. If you haven't grabbed one, uh, you can work through them in small groups or in just clusters. I understand just people get together through the week. Work through this uh, in whatever cluster you're part of or just do it as part of your daily devotionals. Questions in there, uh, other passages to look at in addition to what we'll look at this morning, some questions coming out of the sermon. One of the questions I got out of last week was, our small group couldn't work out the difference between asking and praying. Anybody else have that question? Or is it just that one small group? doesn't matter. The question is asking is praying. But praying is not all about asking. Prayer is much broader than that. But when we're asking, it's actually a specific part of our prayer. And we'll see that, and you would have noticed that in the Lord's Prayer, that asking is part of it, but there's so much more to prayer. If prayer is just asking, oh my goodness, you've got a lot to learn about prayer. It is about adoration and worship. It's about gratitude, thanksgiving. It's about stillness and quietness and listening. 
But yes, asking is praying. And what we're going to look at this morning is this aspect of asking. Asking with faith and expectation for God's transforming work in our lives and in the lives of others. And to do so with this ask, seek and knock, there's a sense of urgency to those words. They're verbs, they're short, they're ask, seek, knock. There's a sense of urgency and intensity to them. I became a Christian when I was 19. And my first recollection of praying with a sense of intensity came very early on in my faith. I would have been 19, perhaps just turned 20. My best mate had got married uh, back in the days when you get married at around 19, 20. He got married. I was part of his bridal party and part of his bridal party was his niece. She was around about eight or nine years of age. And uh, so we got to know each other through practicing and then the, the hours and hours of photos that you have together. And she was just a lovely young girl. A few weeks after the wedding, my mate Bob rang me to tell me that she was really ill. I can't remember the full medical details, so don't ask me that. I I don't remember. All I knew is that they were concerned that she would die. And that's the first recollection I have of actually not just praying the, as a kid, dear Lord, bless mum and dad and the dog or whatever, but praying with a real intensity, like it was there in my heart. I actually had a, a burden, a pain, that the only thing I could do was to pray because it wasn't right that this girl should die. Back in those days, you would actually pay about 3 or $4 to have photos printed. And so I could only afford about two or three. But I had two or three photos of the wedding, and she was in one of them. And I remember I had these photos up on my wall in my bedroom of, of being part of the wedding. And I just remember that each night I would look at this young girl. And just the, that feeling, that intensity, that urgency to pray for her would come again. And so I did. I prayed, God, would you heal her? This is not right. Would you heal her? You see, when Jesus says, ask... And it will be given to you. Sometimes we have no doubt at all what it is we should be asking for. Ask and it will be given to you. For me at that moment, I was so sure of what God would have me asking for that he would heal that young girl. It's right there. It's in front of us because we care so deeply for that situation or for that person. And this is my observation of us as people that we pray for what we care for. Is that a fair observation? We pray for what we care for. Now, I'm I'm realistic to know that there would be people in this room who find it difficult to pray or perhaps pray rarely, if at all. And I'm not saying that it's because you don't care for anything. It's more likely that the things that you care for, you actually want to hold in your hands alone that you feel that the things that you care for are your responsibility and you are best equipped to to care for those things or those people. And God doesn't really have a role to play in it because God's not perhaps quite as trustworthy as you are until it gets beyond your control, of course. But I think for most of us, I observe this to be true, that we ask for and we pray for that which we care for. Therefore, what we ask for in prayer matters Because what we ask for reveals something of our hearts. It reveals, it discloses what we care about the most. Now we can read this passage that says, Ask and it will be given to you and go, Woohoo! How awesome is that? I can ask for something and God will just give me anything I want. Ask and it will be given to you. That's pretty simple, isn't it? Ask and it will be given to you. Great, I can ask for anything. I have this mega rich daddy who will bless me with all that I ask him for. But in a sense, what does that comment and what does that attitude reveal about ourselves? What does it reveal about our hearts and what we care for most? It reveals that we're, in a sense, only into God for what we can get out of him. And if this is our narrative of who God is and why we would worship him, why we would belong to him, 
then we've missed something of the concept of God being our Father. And it can only result in disappointment when you don't get all that you ask for. God is not there to do our bidding. What he has done is he's brought us into his family. This concept of him being our father is not speaking about a rich daddy. It's speaking about a father who loves us, who has brought us, adopted us into his family, despite who we are, despite our past, despite what we will continue to do in the future. We have a good father who brings us into his family. We have a God who has invited us into his kingdom because he is also our great king. What we ask for in prayer matters because it reveals what we care for, what our heart is set on. And when we look at the prayers of Jesus, including the one read out to us this morning, we see one thing that dominates his prayers. And this one thing is the same thing that dominated his teaching. And that is the kingdom, the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not a physical kingdom. It's not defined by political boundaries. It doesn't have a wall erected around it. The kingdom of God is not here and it's not up there. The kingdom of God refers to the reign of God wherever it is, particularly in our lives, in the lives of his people. The kingdom of God is where God reigns and it is where his will is done. And Jesus says, pray this way. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. God the Father. We start with this word, Jesus starts with this word, to remind us that this is about relationship, not transaction. We come and we pray, not because we want something. We come and we pray because we are in relationship with the Father. Why did Jesus even have to pray? Did Jesus ever not know God's will? Was there something Jesus could not do? There's a sense in which Jesus didn't have to transact at all with his father, but he came in prayer out of love, out of a desire for intimacy and connection. We start by reminding ourselves that we have a father who we pray to, yet one who remains the great king of heaven, him alone being worthy of all worship, honour and glory. Your kingdom come Your will be done here as it is in heaven. See, what we ask for matters and what we ask for first should be for God's glory and for his will to be done in our lives and in this world. A little while after this prayer, if you read through Matthew's gospel, Jesus will say, seek first. What? The kingdom. The other things will come, but seek first the kingdom his kingdom and his righteousness. There's a reminder in this passage as we pray this way of who we are asking. We are asking the Father who loves us. We are asking the one who has given us life, the only one who is deserving of our worship, our obedience and our devotion. And this shapes what we ask for. But we're also asking the one whom we seek to serve in obedience whose will we desire to be our will, whose greatest desires for this world are the ones that we want to have the same desires for. And then the asks go on through this prayer. Father, we ask that you would give us what we need, our daily bread. We ask that you would forgive us and we ask that you would lead us in right paths. When we ask, we do ask for ourselves, but we ask not that he do our bidding, but that our lives would bring glory to him as we trust him to provide for us, to forgive us, 
and to lead us. There are only really a couple of places in Scripture where Jesus prays for himself that we have recorded. But even in those places, when we look at the prayers of Jesus, his heart is still for the kingdom. His first concern is still for the kingdom, for the will of his Father. In John chapter 17, this prayer that Jesus prays for himself and then for his disciples just before his crucifixion. Jesus prays this. He says, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. Do you get that? What does he ask for himself? This is not one that we can probably ask for ourselves. Glorify me, he asks, that I may glorify you. And put this prayer in the context of his imminent crucifixion. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, the ask again, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. As I hear those words, there's a sense that I have of Jesus almost looking back to what he left behind to come to us. What Jesus put aside to come and to die in our place. There's a desire on his part to experience just that imminent presence of the Father once again. And that makes sense, doesn't it? But notice that as Jesus prays for himself, where's his heart and where's his mind? It's directed towards the Father's glory and the Father's will because immediately before him lies the cross. The other time we have in Scripture where Jesus prays for himself is in the Garden of Gethsemane. My Father, if it's possible, what does he ask? Take this cup, the cup being the judgment that he was going to drink, the judgment for the sins of the world. If it's possible, may this cup be taken from me. Three times he asks, and yet three times he also says what? Yet not my will, but yours, your will be done. And again, as Jesus prays, even for himself, his heart is on kingdom. His mindset is oriented towards the will of his Father and the glory of the Father. He trusts his Father and he gives himself to the will of the Father. What are we asking for? What is it that we should be asking for? Well, as we read through Scripture and as we just ponder this for a while, there is actually so much that we can and should be asking for that is kingdom-centred, God's will. The reality is that most of us do not need to ask for bread on a daily basis, unless you have teenagers in the house, but generally our fridges and our pantries are full. But we can ask for what we need each day. Ask. Ask for strength. We could spend five minutes and do a little survey and we could list a hundred things. This is some of them. Ask for the strength you need for this day. Ask for the faith that you will need for this day. Ask for God's healing in your body, in your emotions, in relationships. Ask for courage to face what this day will bring. Ask for patience. I'm trying to think how to phrase it. To be with the people that you will need to be with on that particular day. (laughs) Or whatever it is. Perhaps you need to make a phone call to some government department. I don't know what it is. Ask for encouragement. When you just feel that, Lord, I, I, 
I just need someone to speak something, a word of encouragement, or send me an encouragement. Ask for encouragement. This is one I often do when I'm writing a sermon. I don't know whether it's being answered or not, but ask for clarity. Lord, today, there's a lot that needs to be done. Would you give me a clear mind? Would you give me a clear mind to do what I need to do? Ask for boldness. I love that passage in Acts where where they gathered as a group of disciples and and they were so encouraged by what God had been doing. And they said, "We, we prayed for even more boldness to go out and proclaim the word of God. Pray for the fruit of the Spirit. Pray that God would fill you with his love in order that you may love others. Pray for joy. Pray for a sense of peace. Pray that you be someone who is gentle, kind, generous. There is so much that we can pray for that is in accordance with God's will. And we pray these things for ourselves, but our heart and our mind, where is it set? On the kingdom. Because we don't ask for these things simply because they bless us. They do, but they don't simply bless us, but they give glory to God as we live out our lives. When you ask, as you ask, ask confidently because there is so much we can ask for that is in accordance with God's will. Can I also encourage you to ask these things for other people? It's a bit hard to ask for them to be forgiven. That's probably the one that's a little bit tricky. But you can pray. Pray for people's strength, that they would have the strength. If they're unable, for whatever reason, to come to the Lord in prayer for themselves, pray on their behalf. Pray for strength. Pray for their courage. Pray for their faith. Pray that God would send them encouragement. And perhaps you need to be the answer to that as well by saying, I've been praying for you. I care for you and I will pray for you. Pray for their opportunities. Pray for their patience. I remember some years ago, the Lord just laying on me a burden for the people of Syria, particularly the Christians there. Just watching the stories, hearing the stories. And they could pray for themselves, but there was so much that I, in the safety and the security of this beautiful country, could also pray for them about, for courage, for their witness, for their safety, for their provision. I know some here in the life of the church have a heart for the persecuted church. Pray for that. Pray for others. Pray for their witness, that God would be glorified in their courage. I know last week somebody came up and said, I know what I'm asking for. I'm asking for Muslims. I'm asking for Muslims to come to know Jesus Christ because her heart is so oriented towards that. It's a burden that God has placed upon her. And that's what she'll be asking for, for them. And I just want to say, when you don't know what to pray for, I've given you a long list and there are many more. When you don't know what to pray for, pick up your Bible and look at the prayers. That's one way. But also, there's a promise in Romans 8. And I love this promise because it says, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Because sometimes we feel weak. Sometimes we don't have the words and we don't know what to pray for. And Paul says, we don't know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our heart knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. That is such a beautiful promise. And please, don't limit it to speaking in tongues. This is a promise to all of us, that when we don't have the words, ask the Spirit to intercede for you in accordance with God's will. It can be that simple. Do we always receive what we ask for? The nine-year-old I prayed for so intensely died. Welcome to the Christian faith, Stephen. 
I don't know why God didn't say yes to that ask. I thought it was a very reasonable ask and I felt like I prayed as passionately as I could for that. And neither do you know why God says no sometimes. Do you know that Jesus didn't have all his prayers answered also? I don't know if that makes you feel better or worse. There's a few, but just one. In John 17, Jesus prayed that all believers, all that would follow, would be brought to complete unity. It's a good prayer, isn't it? Do I need to tell you that that's not the case in the Christian world? Jesus didn't pray that, that when we were dead, that we would all be one in heaven. He actually prayed that we would be one in this life as a witness to him. You see, there are things that we ask for and we don't understand why we don't receive it. Most of us understand that we are imperfect people living in an imperfect world. But the reality is sometimes our unanswered prayers still hurt. It's another sermon in itself, but I just want to finish by saying this. Trust him. Trust the Father. And keep asking. Keep asking that his will be done. Keep asking that his transforming work would be seen in our lives and in the lives that we pray for. Let me pray for us. Our Father in heaven, you are good and you love us and you draw us into your presence and into your kingdom. You invite us to sit at a table and to feast with you. And Lord, we know this is not because of our greatness or our beauty or our sinlessness, but it's an invitation given to us as we are and you bring us in and you love us. And you desire that we continue to relate to you as a father who is good. So Lord, this morning we want to say as best we can that we trust you. We trust you with our lives and we trust you with the lives of those whom we love. And above all, we would ask that your will would be done in our lives. Father, we confess that at times we have sought that you do our bidding with little regard for your plans and your purposes for our lives or for this world. Forgive us for our self-centeredness. Lord, instead, would you fill us with a love for you, a love for those around us, a love for this world and a desire, a desire that your will would be done, that your transforming love, your transforming presence, your grace would make all the difference in people's lives. Lord, we ask that our very lives would bring glory to you, even if we say not a single word, that our willingness to trust, that our faith and our obedience would be that which speaks most highly of your goodness, your greatness and glory. Father, may we trust you enough to keep asking, to persevere in asking for those things that are laid upon our heart. Lord, we thank you that we know that you are near. We know that you hear us. And we know that you are always, always good, both in the times when we experience joy, but you remain good in the times where we experience grief and sorrow, pain and misunderstanding. And Father, may we ask for those for whom asking has become difficult, Lord, may we love and care for one another 
and show it by our prayers for them. Lord, we ask for that which brings you glory and honour. And we ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.